Okay, so Sharul, thanks for coming on board. For the benefit of everyone, just paint us a picture of the EV ecosystem around the world. Okay, uh, around the world, I would divide it into the North America market, the European market, yep. the China market, and to lump all of Asia together maybe. Okay. The most advanced in the world today is China, um, mostly due to massive government support. Uh, in terms of regulations, Europeans are tight and therefore their auto manufacturers are having to comply, uh, Euro, you know, Euro 5, yep. Euro 6, Euro That's 7 right. and so on and so forth, That's right. um, followed by the Americans. The Americans are uh, fits and starts. Yes. Uh, they have uh, Tesla, obviously a very well-known uh, EV manufacturer over there, uh, but that's it. And then you have Asia. Asia is right. a very new growing market. We can divide it into like Southeast Asia and then North Asia, Japan, Korea, and so on and so forth. I left out Africa, which is a huge market, and I left out South America because they are at the very beginning of this curve. Looking at the China proposal, I remember in uh, mid-2010s, uh, they actually tried to get a stranglehold of the rare minerals as well. So it's not mm, just about mm, the mm. EVs, but also the technology in general, isn't cool. it? And geopolitical recently has meant that there's been a limitation on chips, etc. And they're trying to move that. How much of it is part of their bigger picture as opposed to their focus is on technology first and EV is just a component of that? China is looking into self-reliance. They right. know that the world of the future depends on high technology and rare earth materials play a big role in that. And now remember also that modern technology, not only EVs, not only computers, but military technology yes, is also dependent right. on right. batteries, electric motors, that's and so right. on and so forth. Right. And this is why the Americans panicked a couple of years ago when they, did, they realized that the supply chain of a lot of the electronics in their military equipment are dependent upon right. a potential adversary. Right. A lot of people don't know this, but um, Ch Chinese companies bought the patent for LFP, lithium uh, phosphate uh, batteries uh, that don't, relax, don't, don't have cobalt and so on and so forth. They are far cheaper. Uh, they actually bought the patents from an American company about 10, 15 years ago. Right. And the patents has only expired in 2022, right? Right. So you see that that Chinese EVs are all using LFP batteries, and even Tesla buys LFP batteries from Chinese battery manufacturers, right. um, which are cheaper, which are more durable, but slightly heavier, less energy dense, mm -hmm. but very very usable in terms yep. of the standard range Tesla, right. in terms of the BYDs, in terms of the Auras, and so on and so forth. So they have the technological edge in this area. Right. Uh, they are looking to sell the products that are based on these technologies. Yeah, that's right. They are being locked out right. from those markets. So people in Malaysia, now we are kind of enjoying the bounty uh, and the attention of these Chinese manufacturers. And what do you make of, uh, for example, the Japanese manufacturers like Toyota, for example, have been very open about mm. their ideas about electric vehicles vis-a-vis mm. -vis hybrid and everything? Yeah. Well, they have their own reasons for doing so. And I think my, my opinion is that Toyota specifically uh, is the leader in the auto industry. The chairman of Toyota, the president of Toyota is also the chairman of the Auto Manufacturing That's Association. That's right. So their direction is the direction of the entire automotive industry over there. Japan is also constrained in terms of they don't have many natural yep. Minerals. So whenever they want to make batteries, all the raw materials they have to import. Right. So battery is a very scarce commodity for them. 
And their approach is, okay, we have only so much material for so many batteries. Let's spread the batteries across more vehicles, hybrids. Therefore, this is the way we want to do it. And also hydrogen uh, fuel cell vehicles require smaller batteries. Mm -hmm. And also hydrogen can be imported in the form of ammonia from partners such as our own Petronas. So that's their national strategy. The future will tell whether that's the right strategy, whether they bet the company on this multi-pronged strategy uh -oh. uh, and it will turn out well for them. In terms of Malaysia, how do you think the structure should be? So in terms of where Malaysia ought to go, um, I'm sure the brains behind the NETR and EPU and energy and now Peralihan Tenaga have already reviewed this and they have given us this roadmap that is supposed to go to, I think, 2040, 2050, the uh, And in that roadmap, unfortunately, though, the, the interim milestones aren't clearly defined yet. So I think that we should clearly define those interim milestones. And, and Kalau, we want to have a target of decarbonization then what are the decarbonization targets per industry? For example, our peninsula Malaysia electricity grid is about seven to 800 grams per kilo hours. So that's quite high. That's equivalent to like what Poland is. And uh, Singapore, for example, is around 500, half a kilo per kilo hour. Uh, and uh, some of the more advanced countries like UK even went to like 100 and 200 grams per kilo hour. So these are like nationally or globally recognized measurements for grid carbon intensity. We don't even publish our current ones. Nak pula to set targets in the future. And this is just an example of the electricity sector. Belum lagi transportation sector. And transportation, we ought to be dividing into like, you know, rail, heavy transport, private transport. What are those intermediate targets? Establish those interim targets, establish the final targets and communicate that out yeah. and monitor progress. Yeah. It comes down to ownership, isn't it? Because even, for example, forget about EV, um, you've got potholes, so you've got someone in the road set. You've got like six different departments and mm. three different ministries looking at different aspects of it and mm. things just don't get moving. Mm. And sometimes you have the national energy policy, which is led by Petronas with Tanaga National totally out of the picture. Mm. And so they're moving to hydrogen, but still relying on coal, for example. So there's a lot of mismatches, it mm -hmm. seems, right? Well, if you talk about energy sector in Malaysia, it's a lot of it is, is legacy issue. The, the acts that were formed, for example, Oil and gas is all governed under the Petroleum Development yeah. Act 1974, yeah. which puts Petronas as both the regulator and the developer, and they report directly to the Prime Minister. That's right. Our electricity sector is Electricity Supply Act, which is by Minister in charge of electricity supply. That Kementerian has changed names like 15 times, it seems, yeah. since the last 10 years. Yeah. So, what I think is happening that we have now a Kementerian Peralihan Tenaga, Petra, uh, headed by the Deputy Prime Minister, which is actually a very, very good move because then the Deputy Prime Minister has a broader overview over the other ministries. Um, could be the beginning of how um, better coordination, better policy coordination can happen between all the relevant ministries. I think that's been the key thing about uh, people are just tired of the political uncertainties or instabilities, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If you have that stability of position, then people can follow through. But right? the, the interesting thing is though, that that doesn't have to be such a big problem. It doesn't as, have to be Yeah, because essentially, if we have processes and information that are already institutionalized, doesn't matter who the menteri is, yep. 
right? Mm-hmm. So if there is already a commitment, a dashboard, everybody can look at it. NGOs, public industry can look at it. The dashboard says that okay, this month this is our grid carbon intensity. Next month this is our grid. They nampak sama aja, no progress. So then people be focused on real issues yes. rather than personality issues. That's right. Right. And because we don't have this That's today, right. people's energies are focused on personality issues. That's right. So all that energy gone to waste. We have an energy efficiency act. So that's what right. about this that's human right. energy that's, that's being right. focused on the wrong things? You know, the early days of renewable energy when people put solar panels, we found so much uh, was was gained just by having a counter. You know, saying how much has been generated, how much has been offset. People see that simple red LED uh, yeah. display. Yeah. You can put a number to it. People suddenly feel pride and ownership and exactly. progress. Exactly. So that's know? the part where ownership and then. Members of the general public find it hard to get ownership over energy transition, over the cleanliness of our electricity supply, over the environment because the information is just not there. Yeah, yeah. So when you don't have that ownership, people don't care lah. They focus their attention on Betul. other less crucial things or, or more immediate things like harga minyak. So I want my harga minyak to turun. Whereas actually we know that that's not sustainable, or yeah. subsidies are not sustainable, and also. Each liter of petrol you burn it releases 11 yeah. kilograms yeah. of CO2 equivalent yeah. in the air. Yeah, it seems like a lot of. Uh, you're right, exactly. It comes down to the figures, isn't it? The yeah. personalities involved. Because if you talk about uh, renewable energy and EVs as a whole, we don't have the problems of uh, lower temperatures affecting charging times and and the yeah, performance yeah, yeah. of the cars. We are also three, four degrees above the equator, so we don't have to tilt the solar panels. Yeah. So it would seem that we're the perfectly positioned place. Yeah. So. Taking advantage of the next two to three years of of uh, uh, the government in situ, uh, what could be the first say? Let's say the first two things that we could do to just like really you know get moving. You said the DPM is a good first start. Uh, him being Sarawakian is of course a very big uh, mm. factor in helping things move along. What next? Data transparency. The dashboard they were talking about. Yeah. Uh, oh, in everything. I mean, okay. We already have the data. For example, electricity generation mm. number one. Number two, something we've been uh, harping about for years already is vehicle registration data. Uh, Singapore's LTA will publish every month. Okay, these are the cars that have been registered over the past month. These are the cumulative total broken down by brand, by model, by fuel. By fuel is very important because if we're going to track, for example, our EV adoption rate, mm-hmm. there is no official data in Malaysia today. Right. No, nothing. Right. right? The last. Data from JPJ that was published on data.gov.my was in September 2023. Still very ad hoc, is it? Yes, it's very right. ad hoc, and it's not even broken down by fuel. It's broken down by brand and model. So we have guys who go lah, dump the data, and okay, we know Atto 3 is EV. Okay, we know this one. Tapi ada model-model yang sama nama tapi different fuel. <laughs> then you have to make some assumptions lah. That's so, right, that's but right. that's the fact that when we have better data transparency, everybody is going to be working off of the same set Betul. of information exactly and that creates a very good feedback loop kalau right. benda tu betul then good we continue doing it right if mm. something is not quite right then people know and mm. the basis of any arguments or debates or discussions going to be fact based rather than aku tak suka muka kau therefore <laughs> uh, my opinion is That's against true. what you That's stand true. for That's and currently true. it's yep. just like because it's all sama-sama aje yeah. the data yeah. my data is different yeah. for example MAA will say I have sold um, Malaysia Automotive Association. I have sold X number of EVs, X number of hybrids, and so on and so forth. They are basing, they are planning, they are uh, data meeting this our number. Tapi number tu doesn't include Tesla because yes. Tesla is not part of MAA. That's right. Doesn't even include the grey imports because Pekema is not part of MAA. 
which is why the JPJ restoration data is ultimately the authority. Yeah. And one side effect of us not publishing the data is that last year I saw an official document, a brochure by the Thai Investment Authority, the, the equivalent of MIDA, telling investors to come and invest in Thailand because we are the best place in Southeast Asia and these are our numbers. The numbers that they present for Malaysia in terms of hybrid and EV and so forth, lari gila because the number is not available. We yeah. are shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. Because yeah. we are so shy about yeah. sharing our numbers. This is exactly what the FDIs are looking at, but yes. it's not available. Yeah, correct. Investors, yeah. when they're looking at it, said, imagine you are like a bot, Japan, sitting there. Your guy in Malaysia can't present a paper. Yeah. So, political risk, okay, check out, da 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 Coming up next week, Shahrul goes through the Malaysian EV environment. Because too many times, yeah, they go, oh, my wireman cakap boleh buat. You know, because the installer wants to charge me 2,000, but my wireman said I can do 200. You still cannot bawa balik, even balik Ipoh pun susah, balik Melaka kalau berani. You know. <laughs>